Round one, fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome, boys and girls, to the 185th episode of the Hungry Gamers podcast. We are powered by 8bit.net and those sexy, sexy legends over at Audio Technica. I'm your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere, Brendan 8bit. And joining me today, my two partners in crime, the Cloud and Tifa to my Barrett. We're talking Miss Ali Hart, who can be found at Miss Ali Hart, and Nato Johnston, who can be found at I Know Nato. Welcome back, my man. How you doing? Hey. I'm back. I'm back, baby. You can't keep you can't keep a good thing from a good thing. All right, I don't exactly. think that's the line, exactly. but that's the new line now. Can't keep a that good could man that down. could be the episode title right now. You can't keep a good thing from a good thing. <laughs> episode one eighty five. Lock it in. That's that's We're right. I be... wish I didn't know Nader. I'm back. All right. It is. It is. It's been it's been too long between drinks. Uh, we we were trying to mix in new, unknown, or, nah. or a sort of unusual guests for our show that haven't been on the THE before. And Nada's like, no, nah, fuck this. Nah. Kicks the door down. Nah. Let me in, you sons of bitches. It's been too long. You're out I here trying these to talk about beers when you've got a good good whiskey sitting at home. Amen. Actually, I can fully attest to that because craft beers, for the most part, taste like wood chips or cat's piss. So, yeah, give uh, me, give me the whiskey. Being in the hub of craft beers, I would like to contradict that statement, but please carry on. <laughs> Steer me away from the wood chip beers, please. I will. I will. There is shitty. And for the biggest plot twist ever, I've had a craft beer that I actually enjoyed for the first time in my whole entire life, and I'm a like extreme hater of beers and ciders and there was we were down south uh me and the missus uh with her like family and it was like you know like one of those country towns and they had like a little fair on and stuff like that and somebody had mm-hmm. their, their like little craft beers there and like the missus loves beer so she, i was like oh yeah let's go test some and i was like well i'm all, like same with wine testing like i always test wines even though i'm not a big wine fan because they're free you can't have not try free things and yeah I had this beer and i was just like holy shit it doesn't have the bad beer aftertaste at all and i yeah bought a six pack of it drank it and i've never found it ever since then and what was it called ah oh, like run amok or something like that run amok okay yeah it do, was do like some digging on this oh man it was delicious like because that's even with cider i'm like it still tastes like somebody poured a beer into an apple and then i'm just drinking the beer out of an apple because like you still have the beer aftertaste no matter how much these craft beer guys are like no 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 it doesn't taste like i'm like i i get the aftertaste always and this thing was just yeah it sounded if it tasted like alcoholic like apple juice it was beautiful loved it Uh, okay well, then those mm. kind of things do exist, but I guess it yeah. has to be more of an extensive kind of craft brewery kind of range. So yeah. I can tell you now there's a bunch over here that you would like then based on that. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it doesn't have that beer aftertaste. I'm yeah. Good. I had a couple of um kaiju crushes yesterday. Ooh. Kaiju crush. Ooh. So uh, it got me because of the name, obviously, you know, kaiju is in the, the big Godzilla the big sort of monsters Ooh. and things like that. So I'm like, yeah, I'll give that a go. They're really nice. They're real tropically though, so they'd be good on a super hot day. But oh, they weren't too bad. Kaiju Crush, based out of uh, Victoria. Tropical Pacific mm. beers—they are so good. All the fruity ones. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. like the passion fruit ones. Anything with passion oh, fruit in yes. it. Oh my yes. god. 
delicious. Yeah, yeah. Pacific Ale is sort of my go-to if I'm grabbing beers. <clears throat> but I digress because I'm drinking coffee right now um, because I'm stressed because I couldn't get the the mixing board working this morning. So I've, I've been running around all over the countryside, right, getting the right cables and connectors and adapters to, to get a soundboard interface going through my mixer. Got it all finally because at first they sent me a female XLR adapter I need to mail. I requested the adapter. They sent the wrong adapter, got a different cable, blah, 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 blah. Got it all going this morning, plugged it in, and then just all these crazy interferences looping through the cable straight away. And I'm like, well, there goes like probably six hours of my life this past week and Ouch. 70 bucks worth of cables and interfaces. Oof. So stick it up your bum, DJ store, you sons of bitches. But uh, yeah. anyway, we'll get there eventually. I think I'll just have to use the um, Elgato stream what's the what is the stream deck stream deck yeah we've got one of them so maybe i'll just resort to that God, I, I think love that makes that more sense instead of trying to reinvent the wheel mm, how much are they now i think they're 120 for the small one and maybe 200 australian for the the extra large Oof. oh extra large yeah the st- is yeah. there still the standard one out I think or is so. it I just the small and the baby. extra large? Yeah, because I bought mine at like a PAX one when they had like a special on for like a hundred bucks, the standard size one. Mm. It, it was good, and I I nearly use it as a universal remote now for my like telly and computer because I have my computer attached to the telly, so like it just sits on the side of the couch, and I'm like, yep, I want Netflix, so I press the Netflix button, everything loads up for me, and if I want to do this and that, and it's beautiful. Love it. Mm. Like, even when I started podcasting this morning, I have a podcast button. It, like, loads up my Audacity, loads up Google Hangouts, loads up oh. everything. Yeah. You've got to love technology, right? Oh, I love it. Mm. It's, it's you so know what good. else I love? I love building hospitals, right? So, I've been playing Two Point Hospital <laughs> finally. I'm Can all I about- just say Chef Kiss? Chef Kiss <laughs> on that one. <laughs> I'm I'm all about, you know, those world builder games and those simulation games. And I finally got around to playing some two-point hospitals. So shout out to Five Star Games for that review code there. Uh, I'm really digging it on the Switch. Like it's been out for a couple of years now. I think it came out in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, two-point Studios and Bullfrog were the initial devs on this one. But uh, yeah, it's it's on the Switch. It feels nice. I've been playing in handheld mode. Yeah, all, the, all the all the micromanagement. Really easy to control. Like, yeah. yeah, like... Like the the twin sticks are really easy to navigate around. You've got your bumpers to jump in and out and rotate and what have you. Uh, so I'm I'm up to my fourth hospital I think now in this. And obviously you start at the the low end and you just got a, a blank building and you've got to populate it with, you know, your receptions, your GP offices, so on and so forth. And then various levels of hilarity follow certainly thereafter with various illnesses coming in and things you've got to try and cure and managing staff and, and all that kind of rigmarole that sounds stupid when you talk about it like in that regard it's like oh, who would want to deal with this stuff but when you're in the game it's so fun <laughs> it's so fun like those simulation games i don't know what it is like if you explain those games to people that probably don't play games they'd be like uh that's the worst. But for gamers, I think they're like, man, it's so good. Micromanaging That's like, I was, I was hospitals or whatever. I was Stardew to somebody at work that like doesn't really play video games. And they're like, so... No, it wasn't at work. It was uh, the missus's family. Because like, they were talking about like giving... Like as a joke, because they have a huge farm that they use. And they were like, oh, we'll just give it to Castleberry and stuff like that. And, so, and then I was... Because she's been smashing Stardew at the moment. And I was like, oh... You've, your, your gaming life has set you up for real life now. And th- and then yeah. they were like, what did that mean? And I'm like, oh, it's like a game where you get a farm and you've got to build a farm. And they're like, 
what? And it's just like, yeah. How do you explain this to people that don't play video games? It's it, well, these games, and I know this is probably why I'm such a fan of all these like job simulation and all those kind of style of games. Is that false sense of fulfillment in life? It's like you can't get it in life, so why not have a game where you feel like, hey, shit, I've accomplished something. It's sad. That is very true, but true. Yeah, on the second hotel, I mean hospital. Sorry, not hotel. The second hospital that I, I started repairing and, and bringing back to to its former glory and like when you start buying the, the surrounding plots to make it like a, mm-hmm. a four building masterpiece and you're curing illnesses left right and center and you're you're rorting money from people because you've got the salty snacks drip machine right beside the <laughs> drinks machine so you, you know getting money however you can and you know working out your staff morale and how to how to staff them and stage them and everything else it's, mm-hmm. it's good fun and it's just a good mindless time sink i think is also what's mm-hmm. great about it like as you said ali you get that great sense of fulfillment because now you now your hospital is like the best in the county and whatever yeah. else and it's a three-star rating exactly but it's also <laughs> yeah you've also killed four hours just chilling out on the couch or in bed or whatever with background <laughs> noise going on and, and just living your best medical life so yeah, uh this is exactly yeah, really really dig in two-point hospital i just need to double check to see how much it is on the switch uh, this is exactly why i play these games that it's just a good time killer. Yeah. What was your first ever one of these kind of like genre types back in the day? Uh, I'd say Sim City. Sim City. Um, on the on the com- computers at the school because we didn't get a computer at home till sort of a bit later in the piece. So I'd only get my computer fix at school like during um, computer Lab studies hours, or yeah. something like that. And there was yeah. Sim City on there. I think it might Sim have City been like Sim City two thousand. Yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Ali? Were you a Sim uh, Sims girl? Yeah, I obviously played all the Sim City games that came out, but this Two Point Hospital actually filled a void in my life because there was a game I used to love that was called Hospital Tycoon. Oh, and, tycoons! Yeah. Oh. So and that like I absolutely adored that game, but you know it obviously kind of ages out a bit. And then Two Point Hospital is very very similar, so. I've actually gotten to mm. play Two Point Hospital and it fills that God. void perfectly. I forgot about That's the Tycoon series. Yeah. Because, like, I had, I had Railway Tycoon and yeah. God. Rollercoaster Tycoon. That. Oh, Railroad. Yeah, the Railroad one. It was actually a lot of fun. I played that one to death. Yeah. Transport Tycoon. I, yep. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I had the SimCity 2000 on floppy disks. Like, that's how... Damn. Oh, Like, I think it came with, like, four floppy disks because that's how big of an install it was. You'd have to put one floppy disk in, install, pull it out, put the next disk two in, disk three, and then disk four to get it all installed. I feel like SimCity was one of the ones that came in a cereal box once, though, like, in a, on yeah. a CD. Yeah, yeah like, like a Kellogg's Age of Empires. One. Mm. Yes. They're the two oh. I remember. Mm-hmm. But yeah, two point hospital. It's it's forty nine bucks at JB. I think I think that's worth it. Like I've just sort of looked at some of the other stats. So you've got twenty one hospitals in total to build through your time in the game, and I'm up to like four, and I've pumped in probably five hours, something like that, six hours, give or take, because uh, it depends on how quickly you want to do it. Because obviously, once you get your hospitals up to a certain grade, they naturally then go, okay, now you go into the next county and and further developing the, the two-point hospital hierarchy and, and global domination. Franchise. So you just choose to sit on sit on one and turn it into the, the best thing ever or just keep moving on and getting harder and harder challenges. And there's 119 
illnesses to cure in the game. So 119 different different ailments that you need to try and work through. And uh, yeah, it's it's just good fun. It's <laughs> it's just a good mindless bit of entertainment. Some good laughs. There's a good little soundtrack and, and mm-hmm. good voiceover work in it too. So it's not just like in a lot of these Sims, you know, when you, you, the, the character themselves talk is like, rah, 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 rah. it's actually like proper voice work and things with the characters. Hey, so I like Simish. You've got a nice little level of immersion. Like Finnish? <laughs> no, Simish. Simish, it's the term for the Sims talk. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's, it's really good and it's it's been a good distraction for, for me the past few weeks. And yeah, if you've got 50 clams to, to spare and looking for a, a nice simulated uh, distraction where you can save people in in uh, digital worlds, mate, Two Point Hospital is certainly worth a look. Can't, can't recommend it highly enough. It's on PC, it's on mm-hmm. Xbox and PlayStation 4 and now on the Switch. And on the Switch, it's great. Just take that hospital on the go and uh, yeah, cure all the sickies. God, everything's good on the Switch. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I love the Switch. Um, but yeah, I've more Apex. Don't really need to talk too much about that. Been playing the new timed event they're running at the moment, mm-hmm. which has got um, Deja Loot, it's called. So in that, all the loot spawned in the exact same crates every single instance of the game. So oh. you die right now. You go back to, let's say you go back into the town in that one crate where the R- R301's there. It'll be there every single time. So that's a lot of strategy where you're getting just a lot of clusters of people dropping in the same spots because they know that's where the best loot is. Oh. So it gets very, 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 Sweaty. very dicey. Yeah. I'm still, I feel like I'm getting worse the more I play this, which makes no sense to me, but I just feel like my skills are degrading with every every kill that I am uh, part of uh, when it's on myself. So uh, <laughs> yeah, Apex, stick it up your bum, but I love you. And um, I got Warlords of New York. And I'm going to start playing that this weekend for the Division 2. So I'm going back to the Division. Oh, he's going to I saw Benny playing expansion. that. I saw Benny playing that the other night. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited to roll that out on the PC. So any anyone else, uh, any agents out there that want to roll out, Brendan 8-Bit on uh, Uplay, come, uh, come kill some bad people in New York with me and then we can go get some pizza. <laughs> All right, Miss Hart, what you got? What you been playing? What you been doing? Okay, so uh, I've been uh, nagged to actually play this title, so I finally did. It's a game called Frostpunk, which I Hell think yeah. maybe NATO is very familiar with. Yeah, that's the game Kaz used to stream always. So mm, yeah. yeah, so it's, you know, city building survival game. So, you know, definitely something that sounds like something I would actually enjoy. So it being recommended to me is very fair. Um, it's on Game Pass on Xbox at the moment as well. Oh, that's oh, nice. good. I'm playing it yeah. on PC, so on Steam. So, but um, yeah, it's good that it's a part of Game Pass. I've been preaching Game Pass lately. Um, God, it's so good. Yeah. So, like, the concept is is like you're a ruler of like the last city on Earth, and you your duty is to like manage the citizens and infrastructure and laws and everything just to keep them functioning, and. And, like, it's good. Like, graphically, it's great. Um, game design-wise, it's gorgeous. Musically-wise, the music's fantastic. But there's something in regards to the way the game plays out that kind of constantly puts me at halt. And a lot of the times it's because your people will have, like, issues with things and whether it's being overworked, whether it's too cold, because the central hub is this steamed like mechanism that you've got to power up because it's essentially like ice age really. Um, so you've got to keep everyone warm. You've got to keep them fed, got to keep them happy, got to keep them, give them hope. Um, because Mm. you know, 
everything's decided by a hope and a discontent meter that you know you're... How, do, how does one get hope is it sort of just by keeping them warm or is there more to there's that there's more to it so there's a lot hmm. of instances where your townspeople will voice their concerns about something it might be something in regards to medical concerns people are getting sick they want a like a medical bay so just send them to my hospital i'll look after them and i'll send them back yeah i'll send them to brendan everyone will be happy they, they can catch one of the other 100 and so diseases that he's got going on over there. So uh, what usually happens is they'll express like a bubble of concern. So then you click it to participate in like what they're asking for. And usually you can, you know, agree with them. There's like usually like a, a short agreement or a strong agreement or just absolutely say no go Screw yourself. And usually they, what you choose is what's going to move the meter, move the bar and, so i can't play this for starters because i feel like in order to succeed in this game you've got to be a bit of an asshole i should be perfect for it well (laughs) i'm delightful thank you very much (laughs) when it comes to fictional characters um so there's like instances where it's like oh do you want to build a cemetery or maybe a ditch uh, well, I always went down the cemetery route, but it seems like the ditch route is better because you can harvest yeah. organs. Yeah. So, so, so let me ask you the question. <laughs> How many times have you used child labor? Never. No? You never. Didn't? Holy child, moly. I never used child, child labor. labor. The child I, labor is so good. I invest- you just got to suck it up and say, all right, children, it's the apocalypse. <laughs> you need to work. The Get w- to work, little Timmy. Yeah, no, that's no, it's like a thing. genuine question. Of it like, is. Do you want to use child labor? And then if you say, like in my case where I say no, no child labor, I I build them like a safe house. There's like yeah. some old lady that comes up and goes, ah, oh, that's good for nothing. Kids, they need to be pulling their weight around here. I'm like, oh, yep, yeah, old bitch, go die in the ditch. Um, <laughs> or the cemetery in your case <laughs> yeah my cemetery well I, I finally did the ditch because I didn't realise the ditch was free so. yes <laughs> but so this game definitely you know in relation to games that are similar in regards to building like infrastructure cities and then developing and you know research and just everything that you usually find in like city builders just having that element that really um you know, pulls on your heartstrings and gives you kind of like a moral compass, like to, you know, go between, it really adds a difficulty element. And like I said, for me, it's kind of like, for me, it's like unnecessary speed humps because with games that I'm used to, you know, your Age of Empires, your Starcrafts and all that sort of stuff, like with those kind of building elements, like you don't have to worry about, you know, little Timmy dying. Like, it's like, oh, it just happens. You didn't have a name. Chuck him in the ditch. Exactly. But then this game literally brings up a very detailed graphic of little Timmy, like, frozen to asunder, boogers freezing out of his nose with little puppy dog (laughs) eyes. And then it's just like, send the kids to work in the freaking ice caves or, you know, in the neck high snow. You can always make new babies. All right. Well, my biggest, my... (laughs) I've actually done pretty well, I must say, when my biggest issue was I had too much coal. It said that they didn't have any more room to collect coal. And then all of a sudden, I had no coal and then everyone froze to death. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Was that just a game glitch or was it like 
the people rose up and stole the coal. Like, I don't know. I'm looking been... at some video, and it's it's got to be the bleakest oh, sort of bleak simulation world builder oh, yeah. game I've ever seen. It like, is it is heavy, bleak as hell. Um, but it, there was definitely a time, actually speaking about streaming, where everyone was streaming it, so it was very prominent on my radar. But mm, because yeah. I guess of its bleakness and its very restricted zone, like the very circular zone that it gives you. It didn't appeal to me. It seemed very restricting. It seemed very claustrophobic. You didn't like getting boxed in. I don't like being boxed in. So, um, but you know, overall, I can see why it's successful. It is a great game. It's it's fun, and it's a obviously a different angle on those kind of city building survival games. So I'm glad it got recommended to me. It was definitely an experience. I just don't. The developers see me. are really nice as well. Oh, uh, from like, uh, Eleven Bit. The- yeah, they yeah. popped into, like, when Kaz used to stream it, they used to pop into her stream and chat to her about it and stuff like that. They should like, nice. Yeah, they mm, should be honestly really proud. It, like I said, it's actually a really gorgeous game for something that looks so bleak. It's actually a really good-looking game. And the atmosphere, like, like there you go, like, the atmosphere is obviously really well conveyed because it did really make me feel kind of grief in my decision. So, um, yeah, I, I think if you are a fan of City Builders, you should definitely give it a go. Because yeah. it's an experience. It's a different one. 40 buckaroos on Steam and um, free on Game Pass, as NATO mm. said. So you've got some choices. Uh, yeah. I think I'm going to, especially on, on Game Pass, I've got nothing to lose. I'm going to get that on the download queue after this episode because I've got a real itch at the moment for, for world builders and stuff like that. So Do you know what else dropped yesterday as well that you shouldn't be playing video games and you should be watching instead? New Castlevania dropped yesterday. I know, and it's yeah. getting really good. It's apparently the best 10 season. Out of 10. Of 10 out of 10 I, I wa- from IGN. I watched the first half of the episode before we started, and it is chef kiss. I need to check. Like, I still haven't watched season two yet because I'm going to oh. do a fresh run with Rach and pull her through it so we can just cram it all in one session. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm so keen for it. So keen wow, for so it. Wow, so you're going on, on how good season one was. Oh, man. Season yeah. two makes season one look bad. And then I'm guessing season three makes season two look average by the sounds of these reviews. So, mate, Mm -hmm. the Castlevania Netflix bar is just through the roof right now. So, I'm keen as a bean. Randomly, I'm not going to dive deep. We've suffered through years of bad movie, uh, video game movies, and now we've had The Witcher, Castlevania. Yeah, we're in a renaissance. Yeah. Speaking of renaissances, I've been watching Buffy late night before bed it's on <laughs> oh, wow. it's on foxtel and it's just on like at that sort of time when we're jumping into bed getting ready to sleep so it's always on the background it's such that. a campy great show yeah. i never it's watched it so good i was never a part of the buffy groups that's that's what uh like that monster of the week thing that kaz uses for her uh, yeah thing for is welcome to knob switch yeah, yeah. That's all the, oh, like your Buffy's, your Charmed, your like Grimm's and stuff like that. That's how that style was built. People that just loved watching those kind of shows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, it's great. So Nato, tell us, yes. I know you, I know you've got some things you want to get off your chest all apart right. from the shirt that you're not wearing right now. Um, what have you been As doing I said, and playing? Tell us the things. At five o'clock in the morning. Um, so I, I want to talk about the fucking, how Pokemon is becoming like destiny recently and it's just blowing my mind especially for the dlcs that are about to come out in june and i can't remember when the second one drops but um there was like the big thing of like oh yeah it's end game content but like everyone's was kind of like even myself of just like what do you do with end game content in pokemon Mm. like you have the competition battles and stuff like that but 
like story stuff like how how were they going to expand and pokemon day was i think last week or the week after and for pokemon day they started dropping these mewtwo raids into sword and shield like uh, you guys have all played sword and shield you've fought the gigantamax battles and stuff like that for anyone that hasn't now in this new one you can verse like big versions of pokemon and like four you and three other friends or three computer players get to verse these like thing and up until now they've been pretty like easy like you yeah. Yeah, as long as you went I, in i'm a, undefeated in them all yeah. i haven't lost one as soon as you went in with a like especially even late game if you went in with a level 100 you usually can win these they're pretty easy and stuff like that cue these mewtwo battles so at first i was like oh cool i want to go in and catch some mewtwo's and stuff like that and then i saw in the news that in like the video game news that you can't actually catch them like you have to beat them and they drop these end game items and stuff like that that are usually pretty hard to get. And I was like, oh, all right, I'll go in and ha- have a go. And I teamed up with some randoms online and proceeded to get my ass a fucking crushed. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'm just using the wrong Pokemon. So I start like getting some of my level 100 guys. Proceeded to get crushed again for another probably two, three days. And then like I've gone online and like everyone's starting to like, We've all got to come together and figure out strategies and like everyone's like, all right, I'm going to bring these Pokemon to the battles and I'm going to have these moves. And there's this like now this huge Pokemon culture at the moment trying to that like while these raids were out to try and figure out how to beat these Mewtwo's together and stuff like that, because they're just these super powered things. And it was just so insane to see like early destiny in these Pokemon raids. And I was just like okay like i didn't even think pokemon could become like this because and then like this nearly galahorn culture evolved of like if you had this certain pokemon people would be like yes all right you're allowed into my raid and stuff like that like it reminded me of crota times of like oh if i've got the galahorn yep yep come into our raid group so we can beat so this. so what pokemon is the the galahorn equivalent for this mewtwo battle who who, who stands up strongest against the uh it was this mewtwo? mythical pokemon called marshadow that like Oh God, a two, three years ago that could only be get, you could get in an event to download and stuff like that. So, and it has this single move, like its signature move that like when it attacked Mewtwo, it could like suck its buffs that it had. Like Mewtwo would buff up during the battle and it would take its buff and buff itself. And also Mewtwo would lose its buffs. So every time Mewtwo tried to charge up, you could use that Pokemon to steal its buffs and then like buff the team and then... Then you'd have like a healer and then you'd have a Pokemon that could set up barriers and then you'd have like a DPS character to try and get this Mewtwo going. And it was just watching this culture evolve of us, like the Pokemon community trying to beat these Mewtwo's. Like I, it was on for a good four days, didn't beat one Mewtwo the whole time I was going. Like that's how hard these battles were. And it's just, I just never... It's something unknown from, from Pokemon, right? Yeah. Like it's something you'd never expect to see in this this world that's typically, you know, angled towards the youth for the most part, these games, but it seems they've really doubled down on mature content now. Yeah, like competition culture has been pretty strong and stuff like that. Mm. But like in-game, like single not single, like multiplayer, like, you know, PvE kind of content. Like we just never expected this kind of thing from Pokemon and it just gave me a lot of hope for endgame content in the future for these DLCs coming out of like, if these are the kind of raid battles we'll get where like you have to literally, you know, get on Discord or get on Reddit and like come together with a group of people to actually beat these Pokemon. It was, 
it was so cool. And like, just to see like a nearly a Galahorn appear in the Pokemon culture of Laos, like if you have this one Pokemon, everyone will want to have be with you and stuff like that. It's, it was it's awesome. pretty cool. It's it's very unlike anything from from Pokemon, at least that I've experienced or that I'm aware of. So it's it's nice that they are getting away from that more entry level, accessible content and, and putting something in for the diehard fans, really. And I like, like that they've always the had the PvP culture, but like yeah. Yeah, to now build a, like a PvE level. culture, yeah, it's just been like what? Just never expected it, especially with Mewtwo, who's like just this legendary icon of legendary Pokemon in. Especially with the Mewtwo movie redropping and stuff like that. It was just... I haven't watched it yet. I was just going to say, wouldn't it be disappointing if he was, like, easy to figure out? Like, yeah. Well, that's what we all thought it was going to be. Like, just the, oh, Mewtwo's dropping, cool, we get to beat him and fight him. And then he came in and was just, like, as scary as he was in the movie. He just, like, because sometimes you'd go in and he'd one-shot a Pokemon, like, easy. Like, your level 100 super-raised Pokemon, he'd just be like... It's because he's 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 speeds off the charts, so he'd get like one or two shots in. Like I'm just watching some some highlights and people battling, and just watching this guy one shot so many Pokemon. Yeah, and it's it's insane. And then he pops up the shield until until you hit the shield six times before you can do damage. By then, most of yeah. these squads I'm watching are wiped. That's what I mean. It like super reminded me of Crota. Like with, they've always had that in the raids of like when you got them to a certain health, they'd build these like little shield barriers mm-hmm. up and so until you broke down the barrier, you could hurt him again. But before now, it was just like just a inconvenience of like, oh shit, the shield's up. All right, let's take it down. But now like with this Mewtwo battle, because, like, when they have the shield up, they can't be, like, status effects can't affect them, and usually, like, extra abilities that your moves would do don't really, work, uh, like, activate while they have the shield up. So, like, it's it became this, like, oh, okay, the shield's up, all right, now let's build all our barriers and heal everybody and, like, just let the DPS knock that shield off. Let's recover our team and stuff like that. And it was mm. just... It was like being back in Crota Raids again. It was, like, so cool that Pokemon could do that. How how do you feel about it though? Obviously, it was a timed timed event. It, it ended up like it wrapped on first of March, um, yeah. in 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 the United States. But when you beat Mewtwo, you weren't able to capture that Pokemon. Does that upset no, you, you though? We- that after this big battle, you get maybe like a bottle cap and some other things. No, because well, like that's the thing. These bottle caps are more rarer than like anything in like Pokemon and like you could get they could drop like the ability capsules which are worth like 50 battle points and for like anyone that doesn't realize what they are you get one battle point each time you do a battle in like the end game content like the PvP content so to get an item that's worth 50 points it's just and like he would drop multiple of those items so you Mm. could nearly it was nearly equivalent to like a day's worth of grinding in PvP yeah for a 20 minute battle or something yeah so yeah that's kind of cool yeah it was really cool because like then you can use those items to get you up to uh, like top level content in pvp like in the Mm. same way you can use with in in destiny like you get that raid content uh raid gear and then you could chuck it on yourself to be high enough level to go into the pvp content and stuff like that yeah it was really cool so i've seen you're also a big advocate or user of pokemon home how's that been going for you because i i still haven't touched it miss hard i'm assuming yeah. you haven't jumped on home nope. i installed it on my switch but that's as far as it's gotten for me all right so so this is a two-point thing of like it's nearly a gateway drug of like pokemon home dropped and i was like oh yeah i'll just use it to kind of chuck all my pokemon in and then like it's filled with all these like achievements and scores and all that kind of stuff and i was like okay and because I'd 
finally finished a Pokedex for the first time since like red or blue, I was like, you know what? I'm going to start my journey and try and start feel like get every Pokemon in Pokemon and stuff like that. And then so I've gone back to old versions of started collecting. And then I realized there's one Pokemon you can't get in any of the games, but you can get on that goddamn mobile app, Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. So I sucked up my pride and downloaded Pokemon Go since the first week of Pokemon Go's launch, where I played it for a week when it launched and I hated it. And I've never gone back to Pokemon Go because I'm like, that's not my Pokemon. Not, not that it's bad or anything like that. It's just that's not what I want from Pokemon. And now I've been going for six hour walks around my suburb, spinning Pokestops and collecting things. And now I'm deep, deep in Pokemon Go and it's killing it's my pride. It's not so bad, is it? You're Ugh. saying it's not so bad. <laughs> Look, it's been getting me out of the house. Like I've, uh, because of my work, I've become more hermity in my house because it's just easy to relax after a 12 hour shift. But now I've been getting home and going for like a 20 minute walk around my suburb to, you know, get some fresh air and spin some poker stops so I can get some pokeballs to catch some Pokemon to finish, finish the, oh, I don't know, the, the quest you have to do to get these Meltangs like, oh. Because I, that's all I want. As soon as that, hopefully that is my like end goal with Pokemon Go. I get my Meltang, I get enough Meltangs to evolve it, and then I can delete the app and not have to touch it ever again. But at the moment, I'm pretty addicted. I have to admit it. At the moment, Meltang just looks like a ditto with a bloody with a uh, lug nut on the top of yeah. its head. I, it, it's not a good Pokemon, but I want it to complete the Pokedex, and yeah. it's killing me. Yeah, yeah cool. but yeah, that's that's my that's me at the moment. I've been trying to fill out my Pokedex on Pokemon Home, try and get all the achievements. Been trading online with a whole bunch of people. It's been pretty ha- fun. Have you have you gotten any like really massive one sided trade wins where you've tossed up I don't know like a level five Magikarp or whatever and got something boss back, or has it been pretty flat, pretty um, even? A, f- a few times, like I've got like. So, so for anyone that's not in, like, I'm pretty sure you guys as well that are not in, like, the breeding shiny, uh, like, nah. world and stuff like that. There's there's ways to like decrease, or, like, increase your chances of getting shinies in, like, when you breed and when you catch Pokemon and stuff like that. And if you when you breed, one of them is a is a foreign language Pokemon. It like half like doubles the rate of your chance of getting a shiny. So like I've been getting a whole bunch of like great Pokemon. I love like a Japanese Gengar and all those. And I've been using them to actually breed a lot of shiny Pokemon. And it's been great. Cause they've also been trading to me with like, ter- like amazing stats while I've just been giving them absolute garbage, like Rattatars and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been good way to success. Yeah. So yeah, it's been fun, especially because like there's a thing called like Wonder Trade where you just put a Pokemon in a box and like it will just randomly send it to another trainer that's set a Pokemon into it, and that's where I've been getting most of these like gems coming to me. It's been that's great. pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool that people are actually being pretty fair and throwing some some quality yeah. in those and, which, boxes. Which has now made crash. me guilty, and I've like oh oh I better put some good Pokemon in as well just to kind of like even out the karma of the good stuff I've been getting as well. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of good stuff, uh, Mythic Quest, Miss Hart, uh, what do you think about it? I haven't watched any of it yet, but I'm excited. Like from the trailers and things I've seen and some of the chatter on the internet, it looks like it's something right up our wheelhouse. Yeah, it's actually really, really good. There's like, 
There's been elements that kind of like threw me off, but for the most part, it's actually a really good show. Very watchable. Um, it's Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet. This is the um, TV show that was created by um, like the guys from Always Sunny. Um, mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, because like yeah, Charlie both- Day and Rob McElhaney yeah. were, were the men behind this one, which yeah, is cool. Yeah, and Megan Gans is like a producer on Always Sunny as well. So um, those three guys have produced this, you know, <coughs> game-based, you know, TV show. Um, the general plot is um, Mythic Quest is like the biggest MMORPG in the world. It's like, you know, it's like World of Warcraft kind of thing. And um, they're currently in the process of like, releasing their major expansion which is called raven's banquet and it's essentially like all the drama that kind of goes around with like developing a game and launching a you know expansion and dealing with all the different sections of like a game studio and you know the over egotistical creator a writer the people who's in charge of um the money which is actually um uh danny Pudi? Danny Pudi, who played yeah. Abed. Yeah. yeah, community. Seeing him as an asshole is great. He does yeah. it so well. So, like, this looks good. It it's actually pretty damn good. It doesn't really suffocate you in the face of like gaming, gaming. Hey, gamers! Like, it does it very subtly. Um, and it's just a very interesting look. It also has um Ashley Birch, which might be yeah, a, yeah, someone that voiced you, Aloy. That's right. My, and my main also- video game uh, squeeze <laughs> from a few years ago. That's right. And she's also Tiny Tina in Borderlands, mm-hmm. and I think she played someone in um Life is Strange. As well, I think she did yeah. some work on she that. She played a lot of characters. Hmm. Um, the I'm almost finished. I think I've only got a few more episodes in. I want to give a special nod. It, right in the middle of the season, there's this really good episode that focuses on a couple who develops a game studio in like the early '90s, and kind of like how the environment evolved and how it became like major studios eating up little studios and then just selling out. It's a really good episode. It's got the actor from the new girl in it and i can't can't remember his name but overall you played schmidt I, or you mean um the jack, ma- jake johnson i have no who idea. plays he was he was the scruffier guy with the beard yeah nick miller yeah jake johnson yeah so Love that guy. yeah he was great in this episode as well um so like i said overall it's not in your it's not shoved down your throat it's not overly like ugh, you know like it's it's just well paced well made good comedy good you know, good writing and, you know, lovable and hateable characters. Um, also, um, there's a character in it as well who uh, Charlotte Nicardo, I think her name is, or Nick, Nick Dow. She's actually Australian and she's Australian, an Australian character as well. So, like, she lets the accent fly. So it's good to see some. And, she, you know, Fuck she also yeah. talks about, you know, females in gaming and, you know, that she can be just as stressed out as the guys and how, um, you know, the lead engineer and all the stresses that they kind of deal with and how different sections kind of butt heads and how one section needs the other, et cetera, et cetera. It's good. Um, they've already been renewed for a second season. I think they got that confirmation in mid-January this year. Yeah, so, before yeah. it even started airing, they got they got the green light for season two, which is really cool. Mm. So, yeah, so, I'm keen to give this a go. I need to get Apple TV, though. Yeah, that's it. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Well, anyone that's... It's got, got the Guild vibes. It, that's what it reminds me of, the they, Guild, if you ever watched the Guild back in the day. No, well, they actually talk about Guilds in this as well, but I won't spoil like, it. It's an old Felicia Day, like, web series. It was great. Mm. 
Well, then I think you'd probably, everyone would probably love this. So yeah. Nine episodes, 30 minute bangers. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> looks yeah. good. Looks good. You know what else looks good, but I still haven't played it yet either because I'm clearly not on top of my game. Final Fantasy VII Remake, the demo dropped this past week. The world melted down instantly when this was like announced. Because <laughs> it was like, a hey, surprise here's a demo. Yeah. Go get it right now sort of thing. And the world's like, bah! I'm still like, bah, but I haven't even played it nor downloaded it. So, Nato, you have uh, downloaded it and played it. Tell me what your experience is. Because my understanding, it's about an hour or so, the run runtime on this demo. Yeah, and it's like a good... It, it probably is set probably an hour or two in, into the game. Because, like, when I, I... I I have played and finished 7, but I really am not one of these fanboys that have gone back. And so, like, I was trying to pick where this was when it first loaded. I was like, oh, this isn't the start. But, man, it's real good. Like, the graphics, how... I more I was more impressed how it handles because I was wondering that's the big thing over the years of like how they've changed the combat styles here and there in Final Fantasy. Some people love this style, some people like that style, and it seems to be like this hybrid and let you choose between kind of how it works. Like it has a classic mode and then like how it used to play, and then this new like when you pick normal mode, it's like their new hybrid of it's real time, but it's still. You know what it feels like a bit like Dragon Age, how okay. like Dragon Age you you can I think it was like Inquisitions where you could like hit the button to like yeah you could you could ta- build up attacks. you could build up attacks yeah but then you could like hit one of the buttons and it would like freeze time and you could kind of like do it more of a turn based strategy ish and stuff like that and that's kind of how like the combat style I was playing it in and I kind of appreciate it a lot it doesn't really stop it kind of just like slows down time to a to a crawl similar to like a mass effect where like when you'd bring up your, your gauge mid battle and it would everything would slow you down but it wouldn't stop so yeah it was good you can switch characters has you know gunboy and swordboy and yeah, had a great time. I'm pretty much buying this now. Like that's how good the oh, demo. Oh, the demo, was. the demo sold it to you that much. Where yeah. you're like, I'm well, in. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, as I said, not a big seven fan. More of a the two D Final Fantasies, your six and your advanced tactics and tactics. I love all them. Later three D ones have never really hooked me ever. So I, I'm glad. Like it's beautiful and cause, like. Every time I've tried to go back to play 7, I'm like, this looks like absolute trash. I don't know how anyone says this looks good. Early 3D graphics were bad. And I'm not just saying that for Final Fantasy. All early 3D graphics were bad. Like, Mm. you go back to N64 era and you're like, woof. Yeah, we... Yeah, these did not age well. 2Ds aged well, but 3D did not age well at all. So, I've been waiting for something to look beautiful. Yeah, this game looks absolutely stunning. Like my goodness, it it is stretching the PlayStation Four to its limits. I think like they are getting. I don't think it was. Every, like, I don't every know if it was piece the demo. of juice out of it. I don't know if it was the just because it was a demo, but for once, my PlayStation didn't sound like a jet engine running <laughs> a game on it. So, I, yeah, I don't know if that was the demo or whether they've just optimized it so well that the yeah the PlayStation doesn't have to like you know go into orbit to try and play a game. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it looks good. Like, it's only an 8-gig download from the PlayStation Store, mm. so anyone that is hankering easy. to get on and it's not going to take you several days to download that size patch. So, yeah, it's it's interesting, but they, they have sort of came out and said, hey, this demo may differ very much from the final retail version of the game, but 
it's going to give you enough of a itch scratch to uh to get you keen i think for when this drops next month what is it it's the is it the 10th 10th april, of april? yeah april 10th i think no 11th 11th i think so maybe that's it's, just it's within us. a week of resident evil 3 that's all i know i know <laughs> i know they're a week apart so uh yeah but yeah I'm, like uh, i anyone that was not even on the fence like a of just like I have spare cash to play with, go give the demo a try because oh, I'm pretty sure nice. it might sell you. Yeah, mm. I, I yeah, want to see more more studios do this with their their AAA's coming up. Like give us give us these harken back to our youth where there is demo. Apparently, discs it's really hard to do. Oh, demos. It would be would probably yeah. be a pain in the ass. But like, I think as as you said, like you've been on the fence about this game. You got the demo. You played the demo. You're like, fuck, day one purchase for me now. Let's go. So yeah. I wonder what kind of spike they're seeing off the back of this demo for pre-orders and things based off this hype. So yeah, I'm keen. Like I'm, I'm not a Final Fantasy boy in any way, shape or form, but this game intrigues me and I'm going to yeah, buy it. Yeah, this demo is perfect for you then. Like this demo is aimed at you. Like, because yeah. that's what I mean. Like this, everyone knows the culture behind Seven. Like they don't need this demo to sell it to the Seven boys. Like they're just going to like kill somebody to get that game. They don't, they don't need their demo. This demo is for people like me and you and i don't know how you are ali on because i know you haven't got a playstation at all at the moment either so i can't decide yeah (laughs) this is for people that either are not thinking about it or on the fence on it like it really is so go try it if if you were like oh i didn't like seven or i don't care about seven like this is the demo for you to try to see if it you know tickles any pickles yeah i'm gonna play it this week i'm gonna commit to playing it this week and i'll uh give my very naive, unfamiliar Final Fantasy feedback next week on episode 186. But yeah, let's uh, let's shift some gears. Quick little bit of housekeeping. Obviously, 8bitnation.net, shop 8bit.net, 8bit.net, youtube.com forward slash we are 8bit. They are all those centralized hubs and links. Uh, 8bitnation.net is the, uh, the main page you want to be checking out because it's got, that's got direct links to our web store, to our Patreon, to our Discord, Facebook, so on and so forth. Uh, on the Patreon front, uh, the 8-Bit Family Portrait 2020 is looking so good. I've seen finished versions now of Salim the Dream, Jono Peck, Nathan Tilly Laurie, who is one of our fantastic fans and who has just kicked off the Can't Game podcast that uh, we mentioned last week. So give them a listen. Uh, I know NATO is getting mocked up as we speak as uh, John Constantine. So uh, we'll see how that comes out and get some updates. But we will be sharing some some images this week of the new art style and the uh, the mock-ups and mash-ups we're getting done because they look so good. Uh, Really, really excited for that. On an unrelated note, uh, Keanu Reeves has put his hand up and said, "Hey, I'm open to coming back and playing John Constantine in the uh, in the the DC film universe. If you want me to, fellas, just let me know." So, uh, oh, no, interesting. No. interesting. Like he like that that is a good different take of Constantine. Like I love that movie, and I love like as anyone could know now because I'm Constantine as my character. Like I love Hellblazer universe and Constantine, but that's not Constantine. He's not grizzled enough. No, like you, like I know they, like especially DC, don't like crossing their TV show and movie universe. But the Constantine that plays Constantine in the TV show, like yeah, and uh, yeah, the God, it nearly made me cry when they brought him back for what is it, Legends of Tomorrow or whatever the yep, other. Yep, bang yep. on the money. Yeah, mm. like oh, he he is just the personification in both look and attitude to play Constantine. That just like dead inside but i still need to save the world kind of attitude and it was just like 
that's what I mean. Like the Keanu Reeves version did a good take on it, but it's not Constantine at all. Like you need yeah. that blonde British attitude and oh, just perfect he is. Like yeah. there's just there's not a perfect more version of him at all. Also, we have to agree that Keanu Reeves can't really act well. He seems to be good for action when he doesn't have to say much, but he can't act well. Yeah, I I could see if they are going to bring him back what? into that universe. Yeah. I could see Colin Farrell doing a good Don't you notice that in John Wick, he doesn't speak a lot. He doesn't have a lot of spoken roles. But you know what, Miss Hart? He thinks he's back. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm back. <laughs> he is he is i love keanu reeves but i'm sorry like if you want a character like constantine and i'm only familiar with him when he appears in my other dc comics he's very like yeah. semi-charismatic but also like you said dead inside but he has this kind of yeah. like dark humorous kind of sarcasm yeah. about him it's it's it's, yeah. it's a personality based character and so you need a good actor behind it colin yeah. farrell baby that's who should play constantine no, if they don't. redo it Ugh, colin but he's got that look and he is charismatic, no. dead inside. He's got no, like, obviously not in the he's way not English. Is. Am I thinking of the right one? Are you talking about what was his name in um, Daredevil? Oh, Am I um, the right person? Bullseye. That's the same guy. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm saying it hard no on that. One. No, <laughs> yeah, I can I can see it. Think, no like, way. Watch like in Bruges. Watch even the Total Recall remake. I love him in that, but that's not Constantine. No. Constantine's dead inside because of how fucked up his life has been trying to save people and every time he tries to do something good, something bad happens to his life and he constantly has to shoulder all of this horror in his life and that's why he has to be dead inside because it would just wreck a person's life to think about how fucked up. I, I think Colin Farrell's pretty dead inside probably in real life. Like he has had a very heavy drug addiction and alcohol addiction and he's just he's that's got that I mean. look. Wrong different different dead inside. He's just a bad person. <laughs> it's a different kind of dead inside. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's yeah, multiple no. levels layers yeah. of dead inside. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness, my goodness. But yeah, I'm, I'm super keen to, to share some of those those uh, photos this week of the family portrait. But yeah, get get amongst that if you want to support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash we are at bit from as little as a dollar. You get exclusive access to podcast content giveaways. But at that $10 tier, you'll get your own person immortalized as whoever you want to be resembled from the DC or Marvel Universe for 10 bucks a month, which is a steal. Custom artwork ain't cheap, so uh, you are getting it for next to nothing. All right. One little quick thing before we jump into the news. iTunes so review right of the week. Soundboard doesn't work. God damn it. And this iTunes review comes via way of iTunes user Double Flusher. Double Flusher. Hmm. So I'm assuming that's toilet oriented for one. I'm assuming. Yeah, like double maybe flush. Big poos. Big poos. Or mm-hmm. just want to make sure. Make sure nothing comes back. But uh, five out of five stars, so thank you for that double flusher. And the iTunes review headline, keeping the emotional lights on. And then the review reads, Love what you guys do, even with, with the turnover of hosts, you still bring an infectious and accessible energy to every episode. The constant guest hosts are also a great idea. Hashtag stay hungry. So Nato, you are indirectly part of this review because, uh, yes, you are one of the constant guest hosts right now. So... Double flush. So, Brendan, I'm I'm part of every review. All right. Yeah, you you do make an appearance in a lot of these <laughs> yeah. reviews. I'll give you that. You've made a lasting impression. That's for damn sure. 
But Double Flusher, thank you for that review. It really means a lot. Five stars, taking the time out of your day or night to drop those thoughts down on Apple or iTunes or whatever platform you're utilizing on because those reviews mean an awful lot to us podcasters. It helps keep us tracking, helps keep us relevant. And uh, yeah, it takes no time out of your day and it costs you nothing. So that's the best way to support all your podcasters that you are listening to on the reg. But uh, yeah, let's uh, jump into some news. This week's news headlines. So we're going to do something a little bit differently uh, this week. And uh, we've got six news headlines. Uh, but cool. we're going to do something called this or that. So we're not going to be covering all six of these subtopics. We are going to be giving the the headline of these reviews. You two here, NATO and Ali, you'll be deciding which one we talk about in depth, and we'll leave the other one in the in the rearview mirror in the dust. So uh, headline number one: This Microsoft unveils two new controllers. Okay. Or that Sony's Uncharted film gets its seventh director miss hart lead us off you go on this or you go on that i want a bit of that thanks you want a bit of that all right sony's beleaguered and quite possibly cursed uncharted movie which has so far managed to lose a total of six directors since its unveiling in 2009 has a brave new soul at the helm this time in the form of reuben fleischer the man behind Zombieland and shudders venom Felicia's hiring, first reported by Variety, follows the departure of Bumblebee director Travis Knight back in January. Knight superseded 10 Cloverfield Lane director Dan Trachtenberg, who stepped in after Knight at the museum director Sean Levy left the project. And prior to that, Seth Gordon, Neil Berger, and David O. Russell were all attached to direct at one time or another. Despite the revolving door of directors, Spider-Man's Tom Holland continues to lead the cast as the young Nathan Drake in Fleetch's movie, while Mark Wahlberg, who was originally set to play Drake in an early and, in quotes, highly dubious stab at the project, remains on board as his mentor, Sully. Sony's Uncharted movie will no longer meet its previously announced December 2020 release date and is now due to hit cinemas on 5th of March next year. Seventh time's a charm, eh? No. Seven directors. What in the hell? This is this is the Duke Nukem Forever of movies. <laughs> oh and if it's anything like and the it's game, gonna it's not going to be very good. good. <laughs> no, it's just going to be as good as Duke Nukem Forever as well. Mm. Jesus Christ! Just bury it. Exactly. Like Indy, like Indiana Jones is not even that good these days. Like we got Crystal Skull, and we're all like, "Nah, okay, we can't do this kind of movie anymore." <laughs> That's the only Indiana Jones movie I've seen. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, you poor soul. No wonder wonder you would not be interested in something like this. Get on some Temple of Doom immediately. (laughs) Kalima. You're right, though. Like, maybe we should just pack this movie up. Because you know what? We've got The Mummy and we've got National Treasure. And if you ask me, those are like the perfect movies that kind of summarize what this would be about. Like, it's failed. I'm sorry. Like, let's just get rid of it. Let's forget about it. It's not happening. It sounds very Warner Brothers, where, like, if this many directors are coming in and going, that means the higher-ups are putting their fingers in too much, and I think director, they're either getting kicked out, or, like, the director's like, well, fuck you, if you won't let me do my movie, I'm out. Mm. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. And it sounds like, yeah, so we're just going to get the quality of the current DC films, where, like... Yeah. They're just going to they mail it in. Fin- yeah, they stick their fingers in too much and then the cast and crew don't care as much and then you get the performances that you get in the current DC movies. Ooh. And that's from a big DC fan. Yeah, my heart of heart just wants them to to throw some money behind the team that did that little 
unrelated Nathan Fillion offshoot where yeah. it was like that seven or nine minute movie they made. See, I don't even want that. Like, I loved that, but only because it was that short and small. I reckon if that was in a longer form, I'd be like, this is bad. No, nah, I'd be all about it. I'd, I'd watch Nathan Fillion eat corn pops in the morning. Like, I just love him <laughs> for some reason. He's just one of those characters where I'm just like, or just one of those people where I'm like, I just, there's something about you that I'm very intrigued and mystified by. And I just want to watch him in all things. Like, I know that sounds very creepy. So, Mr. Nathan Fillion, we know you listen to this podcast. So, if you want to set up an ASMR, you definitely have a fan in Brendan. Oh, yeah. Right? He'll, I, I he'll be there hey, I would watch that too. I just to <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, sadly, we'll, we'll never see the ASMR or we'll never see uh, the Uncharted Nathan Fillion offshoot, but we're going to get this. Like, I like Tom Holland and I think he's a great young actor and he'll throw a lot of passion into this project, but. Yeah. As you said, Nato, I think this this movie is just about doomed before it even hits production. And like Mark Wahlberg is Sully, like can nope. you just picture him as like an older Sully? And he's like, "Hey Drake, you want to go get some treasure? Do you want to go over here? Hey, ooh, look at this artifact!" And it's just like, "Oh my god, kill but me!" But I've now. been surprised. I've been surprised about movie, uh, video game stuff recently. Like Sonic, I thought people would go in and film in mail in a performance in that and then that was some of the best performance from those people i've ever seen in a movie so i was just like i'll be look i'm, I'm leaving an open mind now for video game movies because yeah sonic has changed my mind it's not a good film but god did i have fun watching something like that so maybe i'll have the same experience with uncharted where it's not a good film but i had a good time watching it so. yeah yeah miss hart when are you gonna go watch the sonic movie like because you are you are the biggest sonic fan i know so, so i'm just so waiting Sega boy, love Sonic. I will admit the bad games are bad, but I absolutely had the best time with them as a kid. Like they are the greatest games I've you played. You are in my not life. winning me with your argument here. <laughs> no, look, they they don't handle well. They're not they're not good games at all. If you on paper, you might want to stop. God, they are fun. You just huh? want to stop. But right now. this this Sonic movie blew my mind. Love it. Love my little blue boy. To answer your question, Brendan, when I have people that pitch to me like. Sega boy over here did it's not a winning argument but i do want to see it i just want to know what kind of like i want i what kind of experience i want remember it was the whole old lady you want thing. the early like, i don't want special. i don't want kids in my cinema like i want to be a bitter old lady and just have like a you know a very empty cinema so yeah, yeah. mine was packed mine was full when i went and saw sonic mm. like like the whole cinema was full and all the kids were quiet the whole film it was beautiful uh, we had these teenagers behind us and there was this one little dickhead that was just trying to be the funny dude with running commentary through the movie <gasps> until like until Rach and I were doing the daggers at him and then um, then Rach said something and then this kid piped down because he was just, you know, he's there trying to make like little little funny dick jokes and whatever to his little prepubescent mates beside him thinking he's the dude in the cinema. I love like how I Brendan's like that. saying this, and I can guarantee Brendan was that exact same kid. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm very much like, even from when I was a kid, like when we'd watch like VHS at home with the family and I'd say something, my mum would like look at me like she's going to punch me in the face. So I learned at a very young age <laughs> to sit, be quiet, enjoy the movie. So no, I was not God, I met your mum, so I could just imagine those days. I know, oh, she's yeah. just an aura of sweetness. So to the fact that she... No, she, she, she has the vibe of my mum. Where, like, 
anyone that is not her child, she is the sweetest thing to. But if you are her child, she's a demon and a devil. And just like my mum, everyone's like, your mum is the nicest person ever. And I'm like, you don't have to live with her. Yeah. Like my my mum, she's a sweetheart and I love her to bits. But yeah, there is a part of her that is very dark and very terrifying. Like, yes. Yeah, because they had to raise us. I could pick her up and throw her over the fence like a javelin these days, but I'm still scared that she'd come back and stab me in the neck with a basting fork or something. Like, mm-hmm. I love her, but yeah, she uh, yeah. she gave, has gave me some tough love as a kid. Of my mum. Yep. God, yep. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next this or that for the news. Isn't it International Women's Day? <laughs> Is it? Yeah, we're saying how strong and intense our, our mothers are. Like, they are the most fearsome people in our lives. I'll, I'll, I'll fight a whole army of people before I fight These my mother. These terrifying yeah. women. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I just thought it was funny. Carry on. We're very, very on brand. All right, so this. Call of Duty streamer accidentally fires gun on air. Lands Twitch <laughs> oh ban. Or that. <laughs> I am 8-bit abandons E3. Now, I I know where I want to go with this, but uh, NATO, are we going this or are we going that? Like, I want to say this, but, like, there's nothing really to talk about, like, apart from he's a dickhead. Mm-hmm. But I want... So, so let's talk about E3. Ah, God damn it. All right. As per the rules. The creative director of E3 2020, I Am 8-Bit, has decided to step down from being involved in this year's show. Merchandise and event production company I Am 8-Bit have resigned from its position as creative de- director with, in quotes, mixed emotions, as revealed in a tweet. But the reason why hasn't been given. I Am 8-Bit was originally brought on to, in quotes, reinvigorate the show and, frankly, to shake things up, as it said in the announcement this year. The idea at this year's E3 was to create a show floor that celebrates gaming culture in exciting new ways. This would be shared with the world through new streaming and digital programming. And then, uh, while I Am 8-Bit didn't give any firm explanation onto why it resigned from its position, the organizer of E3, the Entertainment Software Association, ESA, has given a statement to GI.biz. We can confirm that I Am 8-Bit no longer, is no longer part of the interagency group working on E3 2020. We greatly value their passion for the video game industry and the contributions they brought towards our vision for this year's show. We have an innovative and experienced team in place, including Endeavor's Creative, Agency, 160 Over 90, Event Innovators, Matt Plus Low, and longtime E3 partners, GES, Dollar Her Events, and Double Forte, all collaborating to bring, the life, bring to life an exciting and an authentic experience for fans, the media, and the industry. So, E3, obviously all the all the hullabaloo constantly with ESA leaking various personal details for content creators, media, and what have you. It seems every other week. And now with the, the heightened level of tension with the coronavirus, with all these other events getting canceled, all these publishers and developers canning international travel, where do you see E3 going? Like at the moment, it's business as usual. It's still going ahead uh, later this year. Uh, it's obviously housed in Los Angeles. What do you think about this? So I am 8-Bit have pulled out. My my conspiracy theory is they're pulling out because they want to merge with We Are 8-Bit and become one giant global I was going to say that. I was going to say, <clears throat> Brendan, why did why did your company pull out of this? That's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I really want to know. And why are you using a ghostwriter name? Yeah, sadly NDA, so I can't say too much more than that. But um. <laughs> Do you think this is predominantly around this coronavirus fear and hysteria, or do you think there's more oh, to no. this where they're just jack of the ESA dealings? As they were brought in to like revigorate it, they were going to try all these new things and like the old 
skeleton people that run those events were like, no, no, you're changing it too much. And I bet you they just were like, no, we'll fuck this then. Like you, you've, you've brought us in as like a, like a, not nearly like a scapegoat of like, if this fails, it's these guys fault, but they weren't allowed to do anything with it. I bet you they weren't allowed the, the boundaries of their creative kind of spirit were probably very, Oh, you can only just do this. Or you, this you think or they didn't want like to be attached to the the E3 name if it tanks, which it very well might Probably because of the yeah. Corona situation and and everything else. So I don't even think it's just like the Corona thing is like a a plus onto this. Like E3 has mm. been slowly like shit in the bed the last couple of years. <laughs> I still think you say like they should just say like yeah no no e3 this year sorry guys because corona that's the reason why corona nothing about mm-hmm. us floundering or anything like that yeah. i i the fact that um i am a beard said said with mixed emotions it just tells a bigger story it's not like i feel like if it was something specifically they might have addressed it but it's just they said mixed emotions mixed yeah. emotions doesn't good mean PR like talk. oh you know we left on good terms or it was a mutual agreement it's like no something went down yeah, yeah. Um, they were either kicked down? out or they left. <clears throat> what do you think, Miss Hart? Hypothetically, what do you think mm. went down? I think it's money, um, and Nate probably white too. Maybe some creative differences, and you know, people kind of like just bringing them back on what they kind of had envisioned. I don't think it has anything to do with being attached to what could possibly be a you know a horrible E3 or if it's an existing E3, if it actually happens. I just feel like when you say things like in that kind of tone, um, that there was confliction like between them and, you know, higher up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. I agree. So we'll see what happens with this uh, in in the immediate future, because obviously this is a couple of months away. E3 is going to bounce back eventually. Like, it, it got to a point where it nearly died a few, like, a good 10 years ago. Like, they were in, like, a school or something at one stage, weren't they? And then it became this big thing again. It's like, it's just going to go with the ebb and flow of what we want with the industry. And It, it just depends on, yeah, what they want to do with it. Like, they're, they're obviously shifting more to a consumer focus where it's becoming mm-hmm. open to the public with very exuberantly priced tickets, mind you. But mm-hmm. it's less about just media and content creators and and personalities attending and and getting this access to share coverage they're now opening it up to ticket sales and gen gen pop coming in and yeah cluttering those hallways and just turning into just another convention so we'll see how it goes moving forward but it's just yeah not looking good but um yeah moving on and quickly doubling back to that other that other headline that carl reimer who fired a, a, a pistol Live on stream. To his screen. Oh, my he God. He shot his screen. Did he? I yeah. heard he shot his G Fuel. Yeah, he shot the can oh. and apparently it damaged the screen as well. Like, Oh, okay. What What an absolute fucking moron of a human being. Like, he's got an open cause beer can in front of him. And I think he's since come out and sort of said he had a couple of beers. So, he's slightly intoxicated on a stream with a firearm firing said firearm. Like, Fuck yeah. mate, sort yourself out. And anyone that thinks that's cool... You're a fucking dickhead as well. So, yeah, on to, on to the last star, uh, this or that. Bleeding Edge's next character is a dolphin in a mech suit. Or Google pinches God of War studio head to lead new Stadia studio. Oh, Miss Hart, Stadia. you're up. We go on this or we go on that? 
I'm kind of sick of talking about Stadia, but Stadia's actually had some changes uh, lately, apart from, like, you know, people leaving, people come joining on. I don't know how long we could talk about a dolphin in a mech suit, mm. so I might say that. Yeah, so so quick shout-out to Mecco, who is the new character in Bleeding Edge. But, uh, yeah, we're going with oh, that. Oh, Mecco, I just got it. Oh. <laughs> Echo the dolphin. Dolphin, oh. mm-hmm. Yeah, good wordplay, good wordplay. All right, the Stadia launch was wobbly, but Google isn't giving up on the stream dream just yet. It's opened a second game development studio, Player Vista, Los Angeles, and hired former God of War studio head Shannon Studstill to run it. I've been a fan of Shannon's for a long time, said Stadia Games boss Jade Raymond, and have admired her award-winning work leading Sony's Santa Monica studio and the industry-defining franchises like God of War that have won fans all over the world. She has an extensive background in product development and creative leadership, but most importantly, she's a visionary who, as the studio director, will lead and inspire the Player Vista teams. We're thrilled to welcome her into the Stadia family. The new Player Vista studio will focus on delivering exclusive games with new gameplay mechanics, creative ways to play together, and unique interaction models, whatever that means. While we're not ready to share specific game plans yet, Raymond said, Rest assured, we are listening to what gamers want and adding our own Stadia twist to create new IP and experiences. NATO, what do you reckon about this? I I think for one, it's a good get, but... I think it's just fluff. Like, we've seen in the game industry a whole bunch of people... Like, oh, we've got this person. Like, what was the big one? What's her name? Amy Henning or something? The one that used to work on Uncharted? And, like, she went over to EA to build their new Star Wars game and it just disappeared and was crushed and stuff like that. Yeah. And also, it's a studio head. Like, it's not the same as movies where it's, like, the director is a big part unless you're doing a Kojima uh, video game. Like, it's more about the artist and the writers and all that Mm. stuff. Like, the director is not as... It's a big part. I'm not, like, downplaying that, but it's not as big part as it is in a movie and stuff like that. Mm. So, uh, and and this is not even a director. It's a studio head. Like, yeah, I couldn't give... Especially because of Stadia. Couldn't give a flying fuck until they proved to me otherwise. Yeah, Miss Miss Hart, like, what do, you, what do you think? Like, obviously, you let off before we picked this headline regarding your initial feelings on, on Google Stadia and, and the current state of play there, but what do you reckon? Do you think this is going to move the needle? I think it's kind of a big risk on Shannon's part. Like, you sh- there's no um, denying the fact that Stadia is in an absolute pothole when it comes into, you know, launching their, you know, system or, you know, software or whatever it is. Like, they're... They started off on being on a, like, either people were for it and, you know, hoping that it succeeds, and then there was everyone else that was like, nah, fuck it. Mm. Um, And unfortunately for them, based on their release, everyone that was kind of semi-optimistic about it, they lost... Felt burnt as fuck. Exactly right. So they lost, and I'm going to say that they probably lost about 60 to 70% of those people. So they are in an absolute nightmare position right now, and then to have someone come over and like essentially attach themselves to something and saying like, hey, we're sinking. So, you know, we think that we can save this just by attaching a bunch of lifeboats. Um, hopefully we can get our shit together and get the boat floating again. But right now, you know, let's just attach some big names and see if they can do something to help us out. And like, I don't see like how, 
like how this news is going to put it in a positive light. Like Nada said, a lot of the things that when it comes to especially creating games, it's like a lot of people on the creative side, like creative directors and writers and, you know, people like that. Um, it's no short feat to be a studio head and make sure everything functions and runs smoothly. But in the end, you're attaching it to a system or, a, you know, you're attaching it to Stadia, who is mm -hmm. already uh, in dismay. So taken on water oh, yeah, yeah like like in, in keeping with all these uh marine based analogies like she doesn't even have a crew <laughs> for this ship like she's got this boat that she's trying to keep afloat now with player vista this studio she hasn't even hired anybody for this studio to work with her yet so we're not going to see anything out of this studio for for several years and by then mm. stadia could be dead like obviously google's got enough money to keep this thing going oh yeah from yeah, now but until like, infinity the, the, but the, the, the... Like a company can have money, but whether they're gonna like divert funds to try and keep this thing afloat, like it's it's like when the the red rings were happening, like when I can't remember who was the boss of Xbox at the moment, like had to go into the office of old Big Gatesy and be like, "Hey, this is gonna cost us a billion dollars to fix this problem. Have we got money?" And like, thank God, Gates was like, "Yep, all right, we'll take this loss to." try and keep our customers yeah. around and stuff like that. Oh, Gates just lifts a, a cushion on his couch. He's like, yeah, there's a bill. Just just take that on your yeah, way. But like, <laughs> yeah, but that's like a billion dollars they could have put elsewhere in their company oh, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. That's what I mean. Where like a company can have money, but whether they're going to divert it. Like that's, it's only recently that like the Xbox family has actually become part of the Microsoft family because I think Phil is on their board now, mm -hmm. like on the Microsoft board. Yeah. So like mm. they've actually finally bring it. But yeah, if, if you go through a lot of their history, like... Xbox was this little, like, stepchild that they didn't care fuck about. That, like, and in the same... And everyone used to say, oh, it's Microsoft, they got tons of money. And it's like, yeah, but do they divert their funds towards the Xbox brand? It's not really. And so whether Google, when when they can put money towards all these self-driving cars and all these other things that they're putting money towards, or do they put it towards this gaming system that looks like it's not doing well in the first place? Like, it doesn't even have a core base to keep going. And it's just like... Yeah, I don't know. Just because Google's got money do doesn't mean they're going to put it towards like this failing product. Yeah, I think I think Shannon wouldn't have jumped ship without some kind of guarantee oh, that this thing's going yeah. to go for like she'll get a few years to at least make something. It's maybe maybe it's like a five year guarantee because yeah, that like was probably what it is. Variety. Yeah, of like a contract in the gaming industry is awesome because you know you've got guaranteed money for five years and yeah. then you well, during those five years you can even if the company's dying and stuff like that you can spend that five years setting up contracts and contacts for your next job of like oh okay i'm gonna go work for this company but i know for five years at least i'm gonna get paid exactly exactly and like she, she jumped from a, a pretty stable job there like santa monica studio is is one of the crown jewels in in sony's uh you mm -hmm. know development cap so so to jump from a, a role with that amount of prestige to something that yes google has a huge name but there is so much risk attached to it she's oh, yeah. she certainly got some kind of escalators attached to her contract where yeah this isn't going to fold in 12 months i think she's going to get yeah maybe five years to to build this team get a game out and and see if google and stadia stay afloat but yeah, it's it's certainly been a, a rough a rough start. Like we barely talk about it. Like this is this is some cutting edge product that could be something special for the industry and it's just bombed so hard. So mm -hmm. we'll see what happens here. But yeah, we wish we wish um 
Shannon Studd still all the best over there. And Yumi Yang has uh, been appointed to replace her over at uh, Sony Santa Monica Studio. So uh, congratulations to both those people for taking on these new roles. But uh, let's move into the last bit of news for this week. And it's the 20th anniversary of the beloved PlayStation 2 uh, on March the 4th of this past week. It turned 20 years old. So it came out on March the 4th of 2000. Uh, for the initial Japanese release, although it wouldn't make it to the West until the end of the year 2000. And what a way to kick off a new millennium. At 155 million units sold, PlayStation 2 is the best-selling home console of all time. Part of that was down to its trailblazing predecessor and Sony's canny branding, classy, cool, and above all, grown-up. Part of that was because it played the new DVD format relatively cheaply. That's 100% what it was. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, DVDs. It's all about that. But most of all, down to the console's astonishing software library, which matched quantity with quality all the way down. So many all-time greats made their debut on this machine and so many creative left-field gems too. So it seemed like the only fair way to celebrate PlayStation 2's birthday was by talking about some of our fondest memories or favorite titles relating to the black brick of awesomeness. So PlayStation 2, it was a beauty. Uh, I got that. I didn't get it for Christmas in 2000. I got it just after. Got it, I think, maybe middle of 2001. But it is one of my favorite consoles of all time. But it's, it's just about the world's favorite, just based off units sold alone. 155 million, like, that's no joke. I don't know Ooh. if we'll ever see a number for a console hit that high again in our lifetime. So, so kudos to Sony for smashing that secret source way back in the day. But... um. Yeah, let's let's share some let's share some thoughts. Let's share some stories. Let's go down memory Ooh. lane. Miss Hart, do you want to lead us off? Do you want to want to share an experience or a memory or a title <laughs> on the PlayStation Two? It's actually really funny, especially based on what I said at the start of this podcast podcast, which was like me not caring about Final Fantasy, except for Final Fantasy Ten. I was all up in that shit, and I used to play that trailer on like repeat and I um, even learned the um, title song on my keyboard. I actually purposely learned that. Um, So I was so excited for it. And um, I I think I actually got the PlayStation 2 so I could play Final Fantasy X. Damn. Yeah. Damn. So that that was a console. The graphics. It was like, this game looks beautiful. It looks amazing. (laughs) And wasn't I up for some disappointment? Like, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't, like, there was a lot of, like, eye-rolling when it came to dialogue and such like that and writing. But, um, yeah. Like, it still was a good-looking game, but, you know. Just missed the mark on a few notes for you. Yes, yes. What about you, Nato? You got got a game or a memory that comes to mind immediately when we we think of PlayStation 2? Nope. (laughs) 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 Didn't I... I was the uh, original Xbox boy and uh, tried a Final Fantasy here and there on it and maybe Tekken. And that's my knowledge of the PlayStation 2 yeah. at all. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. I am. That's one. Like, PlayStation 1 played a lot. PlayStation 3 played a lot. Got a PlayStation 4, but never really played the PlayStation 2. I was out of that ecosystem gamecube and and the uh, xbox original xbox yep and that yep. was it fair call fair call my yeah. my earliest memory of the the playstation or one of the ones that just resonates strongest when i think about it now is playing manhunt um, uh-huh. my mum my bought me that game 
And uh, <laughs> when was it? 2003. So 2003. How old was I then? I don't know. I was in, I was in my teens. And that game was heavy. Like for anyone that hasn't played it, you're like an, a convict escaping through this like torture maze of serial killers and stuff while this this overarching sort of bad person watches you on film as you kill people in very creative ways suffocate them with plastic bags shiv them in the neck with broken glass all this kind of shit like it is it is a heavy game this game yeah Yeah, that's why i giggled as soon as he said his mom because i knew what the game was Mm. yeah but um what i remember most is it came out and then literally Within within the month, it was then banned and removed from Australian shelves. So I was like, I got it. I remember and, that. And luckily got my hands on it before it got stripped from the shelves and banned from further sale in the country. So I was like one of the only kids at school that had this game. So um, on the weekends, sometimes like a group of kids from school would come around and we'd all play it. We'd all be like sitting around the old square CRT television, playing, um, playing some manhunt, just watching each other like, yeah kill these bad people in very disturbing ways so um mm-hmm. probably not the sweetest memory but it's one that certainly um is just etched in my head and the other one is is, is booting up grand theft auto 3 like vice city like i remember mm, playing that from when it went from it. top down gta 1 and 2 where you've got you know a little character with these very long um legs leg stretches when he's walking yeah. and he's sort of power walking everywhere to this fully realized 3d world um, yeah. It just blew my freaking mind that game. Best fucking musics, like I still believe, like it's it's still pretty good nowadays. But I just remember Vice City just having the best mu- best music attached to GTA. Yeah. So, um, actually, speaking of GTA, let's not forget the um, honorable like homage, I guess, to GTA uh, Simpsons Hit and Run. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, that game was great. Uh, I'm disappointed that we really haven't seen that one kind of remastered or come back. Like, I remember that being like incredibly enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't handle well. Like, I've gone back and played it, and yeah. I'm like, oh, I th- I remember this playing a lot better than it was. I mean, you know, we're lucky nowadays, but yeah, I think back then it didn't really bother us too much. No. And another game that came out in that ecosystem, and it was also on the Xbox, was Burnout Three Takedown. Oh yeah. I, I just remember playing that game and it was at least, well the first game I played, I don't know if it was sort of a, a pioneer for for that way of a way of sort of highlighting destruction, but that crash mode in, in takedown where you, you you'd have the levels where you'd have to obviously cause the most damage. You go careening into all this traffic, you're smashing cars everywhere, and then it like slows right down, shows the explosions, cameras pan around. It almost felt like Michael Bay was filming this game. Um <laughs> just with the, the overemphasis of, of carnage and destruction and explosions and man as as a teenager um, and not being able to drive yet like living your best destructive like car crash high velocity life was so good so good mm. so yeah burnout takedown i think i had it on the xbox to be honest at that yeah, time but i, I played too. it on my on my mate's playstation as well because he had it did you have an xbox as well as yep. a kid yeah did you have both consoles as a kid yeah I had I had my Xboxes first, and then I bought my Playstations. Yeah, but you bought it. Oh right, okay, sorry. I, yeah. I saved up for the Xbox, but the PlayStation. Oh, okay. So I you got did buy at least one of them. Yeah, okay. yeah, okay. Yeah. I was gonna say this big money fucking kid getting both consoles from his parents. Nah, I was uh, working hard at KFC back in them days, saving my five dollars twenty five an hour, and uh, got got there. My dad chipped in and, and helped me get the Xbox, but yeah. uh, yeah did that off my own back and then like metal gear solid 2 came out on mm-hmm. playstation 2 as well 
And uh, I just remember the story in it. The the cinematic visuals is really good. I just remember fighting Raven, which was the big dude in like the big freezer area and just having mm. the back and forth with him. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, such a great game. Such a great game. That franchise is obviously pretty special and universally sort of known as one of the best IPs in the world. What about you, Miss Hart? You got any other any other memories that come to mind on the PlayStation 2? I'm just thinking back also like with the ones that were kind of like, I wouldn't necessarily say they were the, the best of the best, but like memories of playing like your SmackDown versus Raw back when the games oh, were yeah. really pretty. Wasn't it just, wasn't it just SmackDown on the PlayStation no. and like Raw was on Xbox at that stage? It wasn't until later. Wasn't it like was PlayStation it? 3 era that they combined the brand finally? Maybe, maybe. I think, I think it was like Here Comes the Pain or something yeah. was like the PlayStation one. Like it was SmackDown only was on PlayStation and Raw only was on Xbox. It was oh, so and they good. Contro- right, yeah. They controlled completely different as well. Like it was two different companies I think even made them. Because yeah. like I remember playing Raw on my Xbox and then going to my mate's house that had the SmackDown and I'm like, what? Why does it handle like this and stuff like that? I don't know whether it was bad or or good or worse, but it was just because I was used to controlling it like this on that game and then coming across and then I was like, so you now you have to hold the buttons or <laughs> the sticks? And I was like, yeah, but on mine, I just got to press A and then B and stuff like that. And yeah, oh, yeah man, I just... Was- like, it was always, like, one of those games when you, you know, at, like, parties and, like, you know, essentially just getting a little bit wild and rowdy and drinking and whatnot and along with like guitar hero as well yeah oh. yeah because we got that around that no yeah no, it would have been around hero there was later was it two uh guitar like I, i'm trying I to remember it was on the i 360 think it's, that no well it, i know the guitar hero no nah, it was on playstation 2 guitar yeah, hero yeah. 3 was on playstation 2 and a few others so Damn. it was in that ecosystem wow. for a while yeah. it was that long ago yeah, yeah. 2005 yeah. was the first guitar hero release oh my god mm. so sort of the tail end of the playstation 2 but mm-hmm. yeah i i never got really good at guitar hero and that was one thing that always frustrated me like i was never very good on the expert levels where i had a few other mates that were just like shred lords and they're just like yawning as they're playing you know Buckethead songs like it's nothing. Like, God, fuck these guys. <laughs> uh, like, uh, I used to hang out with like a lot of people in like bands and they would just constantly talk about how, you know, those games were always like, oh, was... I'd be better at this if it was a real guitar. Uh, fun mm-hmm. memories, fun memories. Yeah. But yeah, PlayStation 2. Like, it was a, you know, it from for as a console it was solid and it lasted for quite some time i don't recall mine ever having major issues yeah mine never had an issue like um and it was the the last console to have the old memory card slots did it really? as well it had the old dual memory card slots on the front and it had the old um remember like when playstation used to have that weird like nine pin controller input on the front Maybe having a multi-tap for the PlayStation and then the PlayStation 2, I bought a multi-tap so you could get some some four-player hotness going in some of those games. It was Um, a good design too. Like WWE. Yeah, it was nice and sleek. Mm. And I like that you could sit it horizontally and vertically. I think it was the first console, maybe the last I've actually ever had vertically. Like I had it sitting upright beside my telly. I think we had it like that at one stage, yeah. Yeah, just looked nice. And four and a half thousand games dropped on the PlayStation 2 over its life cycle, which is bonkers. You know, that's a huge, huge portfolio of games. Like, obviously, your Final Fantasies are on there, Tekken, Soul Calibur. 
<laughs> Spicy boy. You just disappeared off screen and come back and took a shot. <laughs> Another game that um obviously got a got a remake recently, Shadow of the Colossus, dropped on the PlayStation Damn. 2. Was that a two? That was a two. Jesus. Yeah. And it was pretty revolutionary for its time. You know, a game where there that's, was real, that's on there was PS no Plus real direction. This month. Yeah. yeah. That's on PS Plus for free at the moment. Yeah, pick it so up. Go, like, go check that out. Just a giant ass crazy boss battler with yeah, no no compass. You just do what you want, go where you want and take down these baddies. Big sort giant baddies. You could have, you could have the shining light off your sword. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know what I mean. And though. also Sonic Forces as well as on PlayStation Plus. So, you know, go pick that up. Mm. <laughs> All right. So, PlayStation 2, 20 years, 155 million consoles, 4,500 games. Nice work to everyone involved with Sony. Uh, yeah, if you've got any 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 nice memories or thoughts you want to share on PlayStation 2, obviously, hello at 8bit.net on the email. He's up on the socials at we are 8bit. But uh, a couple of quick new releases uh, of note that are coming out this coming week. Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Landing on the Xbox One and PC on March the 11th. Get that free on Xbox Game Pass. And Neo 2 on the PlayStation 4 comes out on March 13th. Which is just... Like, Neo 1 was a fantastic game, but 2 is just sort of sneaking in the back door. Like, there's been yeah, no, no real press. Behind it no at all. Just rolling in. Especially because, like, it's one of the only games that was able to hold up against the... The Souls like, the games. Da- the Soulsborns of, yeah. like... I know, I know you were a big fan of the Star Wars game and stuff like that, but man, that like combat system was trash in comparison to like if you were a big Soulsborne fan. Like it just yeah, it, it, it dipped a toe. About it. it just dipped a toe yeah. into that Soulsborne style of gameplay. And it, yeah, and yeah, it was just because like I was so used to how well built those Soulsborne games are when like something didn't work in combat, like when. A sword slipped through my like a sorry a lightsaber slipped through my lightsaber in a block or like an attack and I was just like what and it's just like yeah the Neo games was the only ones that when you play it you, you couldn't find a fault of like nope this is just as good as the programming in the Soulsborne games yeah so, okay yeah I'm so surprised how quietly yeah. it's coming out just sneaking two. out this week but Ori and the Will of the Wisps as well I'm all about that there's these real life um, bonsai trees they're giving away in conjunction with this game. And holy crap, they're mm-hmm. beautiful. I want one so bad, but I can't work out a way to get one outside of winning it or being some famous streamer. And sadly, I'm not winning it and I'm not a famous streamer. So Xbox, <laughs> you're if you're listening, please give it to me. Oh, thanks, friend. man. Thanks, man. Yeah, Mr. Open House. <laughs> Mr. Open House. We're working on some things <laughs> as well. It's a bit exciting. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be back oh. in, in one regard in a, in a different way. But uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. I saw Rach was saying something about he she was doing a podcast at some stage. Yeah, so. yeah, we're we're translating to podcast form, but more on that oh, so in excited. the near future. We're actually going to do another episode recording tomorrow, so uh, yeah, keep your ears open for that. All right, <clears throat> last segment, tweet of the week, <coughs> and it's the segment where I die clearly. But uh, yes, this tweet of the week comes direct from the most undisciplined animals in the world we're talking about naughty dog we're so psyched <laughs> to be teaming up with hbo to create a new series oh hang on i'll read this again so this is the tweet straight from them naughty dogs we're so psyched to be teaming up with at hbo to create a new the last of a series with at neil Druckmann and at cl mason at the helm and then obviously further info directly linked to the hollywoodreporter.com so for those that didn't know HBO are going to be making a Last of Us 
television series with the head of Naughty Dog, Mr. Druckmann himself, and the writer of Chernobyl uh, also taking part in this. What do you guys reckon? Is this going to be good? Is this going to be a good TV show? Is it going to translate? What do you feel like? I know, Miss Hart, you're not the biggest uh, sort of measuring stick for The Last of Us, but <laughs> what do you reckon? you think this is this is going to be worth your time? My issue with Last of Us is gameplay. It it's was a, just how they led game. me you through like it. So I can acknowledge that this game, like The Last of Us had great writing. It was a great story. Like people don't keep to- like talk about a game in such a way like they do with Last of Us if it didn't have good writing and great stories. So um, HBO at the helm as well, which means they will have um, like High like less limitations when it comes to violence, gore. Like usually, other networks kind of like pull back on that sort of stuff. So, I mean, it, it's a good good matchup. Um, doing a series instead of a movie is interesting. Yeah, so, so they've canned they've canned the movie. Like I've said, a movie in development. They've said that's done. Sole focus now shifts to this TV series. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a series element should be good. It should be also a great way for them to explore like the universe mm. and like maybe even other stories and other people affected. Have they established if it's going to be the exact same story? They're, they're saying the first season is going to be primarily based around Ellie and Joel's story, mm-hmm. but then okay. future seasons they might open it up to the the wider the wider world from The Last of Us. Okay. So people are already. You know, they already know what's going to happen, but I don't think that matters. I think people will rewatch it anyway, as long as it's done right, stays true to the material. Um, and yeah, I, I don't see it failing too much. Yeah, I think I think tonally, like because it's land on HBO, the tone is going to be nailed. Like, as you said, mm. they don't shy away from serious heavy themes and imagery and violence and all that, which is what The Last of Us is. It's a very dark, bleak story, so... They need to really be committed to that, and um, having having the the guy that that sort of helmed Chernobyl, you can sort of see some eerie mm. similarities to that, where it's talking about radiation and and that harshness um, in in that universe tied to what happened at, at the Chernobyl um, sort of site itself. So they've they've got some serious heavy hitters behind it. I like that Neil Druckmann's part of it too, so he will have yes. some control over the vision and, and know what will work and what will translate. But I'm curious about the casting. Have you guys got any ideas or given any thought to who you'd like to see cast to play as Ellie or Joel? Someone's been throwing around Jamie Lannister. Apologies, I don't yeah, know the actress. I saw the name. photo too with the beard and, and everything. I, and and I, I apologize as well. I don't know who the actress was that was also used in the um, picture. Like someone put them two or two together, and I was just like, "Well, there you go. That's it. Pack up, go home." Yeah, and Nicolage. I can't remember his surname. Nicolage something or other, but. Yeah, I saw the photo you're talking about where the, the portraits are side by side and he's got the grey sort of uh, scruffy beard look and the short hair. And yeah, the, mm. the young actress they had, yeah, perfect, perfect representation for Ellie. So maybe the they o- just nailed it straight away. The only problem, and it will be for him, is detaching himself from his character. As you know, as I just did, called him Jamie Lannister. So having someone in such an iconic role and then place them in what could be another iconic role is always a bit risky. So they may not go with it just on that. Yeah. he. he I don't know if you guys ever watched the movie. I think it's called Mother. Did you ever see that where it's like a horror movie 
and he's yeah. he's the dad in that, and he also like he's a, he plays he? himself as a twin too. So his his twin brother died, and then the brother comes in oh, to, yeah. to to foster um, his his brother's um, children. And, I have um, to yeah, look obviously back at that. spiritual shit and a scary scary witch woman's in it as well. Good, pretty good film, but I remember enjoying it. So I yeah, just all don't you all you him. see him as is Jamie Lannister. So yeah, yeah. What about you, Nate? Are you got any ideas on who you'd cast as the two leads? <sighs> Like I have a people, but like they've already done the Last of Us movie, which is pretty much Logan. Oh, uh, yep. Man. Like that's that's who that's who I'd put as the two. Like especially because that uh, the the young actress that played twenty three in it, like she's probably older now. She's probably Ellie's age. Yeah, like so, like. She's in um his dark materials at the moment as well, and she's a great little actress. She's she's a mm. very very talented actress. So um and yeah, Hugh in his grizzled beardy look would do it perfectly. But yeah, it'd be too similar to Logan then. Oh so yeah. So then like so I don't know I don't know I, like I I think this is one of the roles where I'm like surprise me. Yeah. Like I I I don't if I get too cuz sometimes you get too attached to who you want to be these people and when they don't be these people you get like even if you're of rational mind and you're not like the usual people on the internet you still be a bit like oh, man this one would have been better and stuff like that. Yeah. Prime example was Cavill. Remember how many people like were a bit iffy about Cavill? I think I even was iffy about In Cavill. The Witcher? Yeah. yeah. And um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. blew us all the way. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Like you so. just have to look at the Marvel movies of just like how many times were we like, eh. even like what's the name for Iron Man? We're all like, no. Oh, for Robert way. Downey. Before, yeah, yeah. Like, and then no, nobody t- these days could ever picture him not being Iron Man anymore. Yeah, like, he, he actually he, owns he, that character himself. Like, yeah, he is that character. Mm. That's why, like, it was perfect that they did the things that they did at the end of the movie. I'm just going to leave it there just in case somebody hasn't seen it. But, yeah, like, there ain't no other Iron Mans anymore. Yeah. And that's what I mean. We're like, I'm happy now for people just to surprise me. And even when it gets announced, I'm still just like, yep, not going to judge until I see it in action. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, no, nah, Nic- Nicolaj Costa Waldau is how you pronounce his surname. Oh. Oh, how did Jesus. I forget that name? Yeah, yeah. And and the, the girl you're talking <laughs> about is Caitlin Dever. Uh, and she yes. was in, um, I remember seeing her first in Justified, which is a phenomenal show oh, with Timothy yeah. Oliphant is that that cop as a one? sheriff. Yeah, he plays yeah, a sheriff sure. down in the South. Such a great show. And she was great in that. And um, yeah, you look at the photos, just just search um, those two and then The Last of Us and you look at it and you're like, yep, there's the casting right there. But as you said, Nato, surprise me. Let's see what they come up with um, moving forward there at HBO. But yeah, this has been an episode 185 of the Hungry Games podcast. Nato, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you and that infectious energy back on board here for another episode of THG. Anything you want to say, anything you want to plug before we uh, wrap this up for another week? Well, hopefully the project I'm doing is out by the time this is this podcast is out. So yeah, go check out. It, 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 yeah, it's Star Wars. It's fun. Hell yeah. Go have a check. Yeah. It's part of this network. Yeah. Hard Rolled First is, it's live on podcast platforms right now. And there is like the little 25 second intro sting teaser there. So you can jump on right now and subscribe just so you can get it into your podcast feeds right away. So Hard Rolled First, check that out. And uh, yeah, episode one should hypothetically touch wood right now. Be out by the time this episode drops too. So (laughs) 
do yourselves a favor, get that in your ears because it's some good, good fun. Listen to a bunch of dudes try and try and role play Star Wars characters on the fly. First time ever, uh, a lot of first time sort of uh, role playing. Uh, I think Benny is the only one who's ever played any really yeah. role playing games. Yeah. Like the rest of you had none of you had played at all. Yeah, so you and you and was, Benny are the vets, and then yeah, myself, Jono, Jack, and the Dream all uh, doing our best uh, impersonations of various personalities from the Star Wars universe. But give it a, give it a listen. Han Han rolled first. On all the podcast hosting platforms, be sure to rate, resubscribe that show as well as all the other podcasts in the hashtag 8 Collective because, as I said earlier, it helps keep those motion lights on. In our hearts, cost you nothing, takes no time. Miss Hart, anything you want to say before we uh, get on out of here? No, I'm good to go. Nice. <laughs> I'm good to go. All right. I did play test, hopefully, what I'm going to be using as the next set of one-shots as well. Cannot wait. Sorry. Cannot played- wait. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get you and Rach in on that next one. Oh, mate, she'll be so keen. And I'm I'm, I'm itching to get back in the chair. Like, sadly, we're not recording tomorrow, but um, we're going to get back to record episode three and four in the coming weeks and um, yeah, have a good old time in a galaxy far, far away. But until next week, Apeer Nation, when we return for episode 186 of the Hungry Games podcast, much love. Stay. You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture-related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry. Stay hungry.